And welcome into another edition of Queued Up. It is Friday, November 18th, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. I really do appreciate it, whether it's the morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you for making me part of your day. we got a big show, Friday football coming up, and we're going to be getting into a lot of football. But before we get into that, it's kind of a tradition. We always start with a little bit of baseball, even if there isn't a lot of news out there, and there really isn't. Um, there were some trades that went on this past week. I know last night the Mariners traded Kyle Lewis to the D-backs, and we kind of expected Kyle Lewis was going to be traded just because the Mariners have a lot of players in the outfield now, including Julio Rodriguez, who won the AL Rookie of the Year, and an absolute stud. So Mariners were able to get rid of Kyle Lewis, who was at one point considered an up-and-coming player. He was, I believe, the AL Rookie of the Year as well. So he won AL Rookie of the Year a few years ago, and now they have another Rookie of the Year who's taking his spot. But MLB did release their awards, and to no one's surprise, Aaron Judge won MVP, Paul Goldschmidt won MVP, yeah, Justin Verlander and Sandy Alcantara winning Cy Youngs. So that's great for uh, those respective fans and for Justin Verlander. If you haven't noticed, he is a free agent now, and a lot of teams are rumored to be interested in him, and Justin Verlander is probably going to be seeking one of those contracts that Max Scherzer got, just a three-year deal, because he is pretty old. I think he's like 38 or 39 right now. He's going to be seeking one of those humongous contracts that the Mets gave um, Max Scherzer, so we'll see where that goes. If the Mets even go after Justin Verlander, they're rumored to be at least talking to him. But I would be weary about going after another player who is 39 years old or 38. And I would be weary about that kind of player running out of gas towards the end of the season, just like Max Scherzer did. Even though Scherzer missed, what was it, five, six, seven starts throughout the middle of the year, he still ran out of gas at the end of the year, or he just was not as effective as he was at the beginning. So I would be cautious about that. I don't think the Mets will be going after Verlander. I would be much more inclined to go after Carlos Rodon, the lefty from the Giants. But we'll see where that goes. We're still really early in the season or in the offseason. And uh, there was actually some news yesterday. I think it actually came out two days ago. The Mets are actually getting investigated for potential tampering or colluding with the Yankees on Aaron Judge. It'll be tough to prove, so it's really nothing as of yet, um, but I believe the Mets were really not even in on Aaron Judge in the beginning, and actually what they said was that they're not going to be bidding up against the New York Yankees, and Andy Martino, who does reporting for SNY on the Mets, actually reported on it, published an article, and said that Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner are buddy-buddy. They're they have a really good relationship, and because of that, the Mets aren't going to be going up against the Yankees and trying to bid up Aaron Judge's price as kind of, you know, out of respect for the Yankees or out of respect for Hal Steinbrenner. And um, obviously, you can't really say that. The Players Association does not like that at all because, in effect, it'll drive down Aaron Judge's price. The only way that the Players Association is going to have a case against the Mets and the Yankees is if they can prove conclusively that Aaron Judge's price did in fact go down because of what 
Steve Cohen said. So it's going to be really tough to prove. I don't think anything's going to come of it. I don't think the Mets are even interested in Aaron Judge to begin with, let alone it being the Yankees. If Aaron Judge was on the Red Sox, they wouldn't even go after Aaron Judge because I don't think it makes sense for the New York Mets paying another player, a 31-year-old, eight years, 50 mil a year. I mean, it just does not make sense. you got to be a really, really desperate team to have Aaron Judge. And I think the Giants fit that mold. They're desperate for a superstar player, especially him growing up in the Bay Area. The Yankees are also have a little they also have a little bit of desperation just because he's their player. And a lot of Yankee fans will hold it against the Yankees if they don't sign Aaron Judge. So I think those two teams are definitely in play. I don't rule out him going back to the Yankees, but I just think it's more likely right now that he'll be going to the San Francisco Giants. And I think it's good for the Mets. Like, they don't go after Aaron Judge, and they can go after some other players who are out there. And by the way, I mean, there are some really, really good free agents. I always said that Trey Turner is at the top of my list, and then Brandon Nimmo. It does seem like Nimmo is going to be gone, and it does seem like Jake DeGrom is going to be gone as well. So I think if the Mets haven't, sign Brandon Nimmo by now. I think it's going to be really tough to. They're going to have to be going up against 29 other teams. He's already meeting personally with other teams, so that's not a good sign if you want to keep Brandon Nimmo. And I'm a huge Brandon Nimmo fan. It would suck to see him go, but a good consolation prize would be to go out and get Trey Turner and Carlos Rodon and then calling it an offseason. I think that'd be great, but we'll see what happens. We're still really early. It's a football Friday, so let's just Get right into football. We'll start with the Thursday night game last night. Entertaining game, Packers-Titans, and Titans were just better last night. Rodgers did not look like himself. He was missing big passes on third down late in the game. And I see why there's a lot of blame on these Packers wide receivers and the offensive line. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers was as much to blame last night for the Packers' performance as everyone else around him. He missed a lot of throws on third down. He missed one to Sammy Watkins on third down. And then the next drive after the defense gets the Titans three and out, he comes down the field. And on third down, he misses Alan Lazard. It's just like unexplainable because you think of Aaron Rodgers as being one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. And he just missed those wide open throws. There was no one in front of him. The pocket was clean and he just missed them. And I don't know if it's his thumb. Because last night, Amazon, they did a good job of showing us the wrap and the bandage around Aaron Rodgers' right thumb. And that's his throwing arm, his throwing hand, and it might be affecting his throws, but it's still no excuse. Rodgers needs to be able to convert on those, and last night's loss is as much on Aaron Rodgers as it is everybody else, but... You got to give credit to the Titans. I love Mike Vrabel. I think he's one of the most underrated head coaches in the NFL for what he's done with the Titans. No losing seasons with the Tennessee Titans. And no one really thinks of the Titans as being a juggernaut. But quietly, each and every year, they get into the playoffs and they win in the playoffs. They get to the AFC Championship game. They get to uh, you know the divisional game. They get to the playoffs and they get wins in the playoffs. They just haven't been able to put it together. But can you even name a player offensively on the Titans not named Derrick Henry? There's there's like no one out there. And this team, every week, they find a way to stay in games because of their defense. And Ryan Tannehill, 
out of everybody. He's doing this with very limited offense. And I know Derrick Henry is great. He's one of the best running backs in the league. That's great. But you don't get anywhere without an offensive line. I think the offensive line is very good. And he doesn't have any wide receivers. The average NFL fan doesn't know who Traylon Burks is or Westbrook Akine is or who the tight end Austin Hooper is or you know even Robert Woods, who just came over from the Rams last year. But this team... Every week finds a way to get it done, and I commend Mike Rabel for that. I think this team represents what their coach is all about, and that's grittiness, that's fight, that's heart, and uh, you just got to love watching the Tennessee Titans each and every week because they're going to be in games. They don't get blown out. They don't win in blowout fashion, but they play close games, and they find out some way to get it done. So Titans get a big win. They are now seven and three and as for the Packers they now dropped a four and seven it's been pretty brutal for the Packers I think a lot of people thought that they were going to make some sort of a run late here in the season to try to get back into the playoffs and you know what they're four and seven right now they are still in the playoff picture because the NFC sucks so badly the AFC is great I know the AFC East you got four teams that are over 500, and if the season ended today, they would all be in the playoffs. But the Packers aren't too far behind at 4-7. and seven. They are only a game and a half out of a wild card picture, which, after all of their struggles, that is not bad at all. And then you have the Tennessee Titans in the AFC. They are the third team right now ranked in the AFC, behind the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And then you have the Jets sitting at 5-6-3, and three, and it's a perfect segue into this Jets-Patriots game on Sunday. I cannot wait. I've been waiting now for two weeks, and it's a huge revenge spot for the New York Jets. Zach Wilson made some comments yesterday. uh, Quote, I still believe that nobody outside the building knows what they are talking about. End quote. And that was in response to his performance against the Patriots two weeks ago, criticizing him for all those throws. But you know what? How about you pay less attention to what the media is saying and more attention to practicing and not making those same bonehead plays that you always make against the New England Patriots? Every single week against the Patriots, you make terrible throws, terrible decisions, and a lot of that is Bill Belichick, but how about you just not pay attention to what the outside critics are saying or what the media pundits are saying? I I don't think an NFL player should even care what anyone else says if it's not said inside the building, inside the locker room. But um, Wilson must be feeling pretty good about last week's win, and why wouldn't you? I mean, he played well. The Jets played well. They made a Super Bowl favorite look pretty bad. And now that the Jets beat the Bills, that should kind of prove to themselves that they can beat anybody. And that loss two weeks ago against the Patriots, it looks a little worse after coming away with a win last week because you had the Patriots on the ropes and you let them get away. A huge roughing the passer call against John Franklin Myers when it should have been a pick six. Jets should have been up 17-3. to Instead, they weren't. And then that kind of changed the tide for everything. It made Wilson have to throw it more, probably more than what the Jets intended. And that's what caused those interceptions. So it's going to be a big week for Zach Wilson. I don't think it's going to be like the same game like two weeks ago. Bill Belichick with two weeks now 
to prepare for this Jets game because he had the bye, just like the Jets did. But I am very, very weary about Bill Belichick coming off of a bye. And there are a lot of Jets fans that are so confident going into this game against the Patriots. I don't know why you are if you're a Jets fan because you saw two weeks ago you were confident going into that Jets game. I was confident going into that game two weeks ago against the Patriots, and I got stung. And I'm not going to be confident going to this game against the Patriots because they haven't won in 13 games. I just don't see how us Jets fans as a collective unit can make the same mistake going into this game so confident against the Patriots. We know what's going to happen. The Patriots are going to come out and win just like they do every single time we play them. And I just cannot believe the amount of people who are picking the Jets and are confident that the Jets are going to win. I really don't. I think Bill Belichick off of a bye scares me so much. And I think that alone is enough to just say, you know what? I'm not going to touch this game. I'm going to go into this with um, an even thought process. I'm not going to be really overconfident. And, uh, you know, let's just see how the game goes from there. But Bill Belichick off of a bye scares me a lot. And I just I just don't feel confident in the Jets coaching staff that they can outcoach Bill Belichick. Because who can? Who can? And by the way, the Patriots are playing pretty well. They're over 500. They're five and four. A lot of people wrote them off early in the year, a couple times, and now all of a sudden they're five and four. So they're a pretty good team, and the game's going to be a lot different than what it was two weeks ago. Who says it's going to be the same? The Jets are going to be in the same position, or the Patriots are going to be the same lackluster offense. Who 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 says that? I mean, the game can be totally different. It can be a shootout. Or it can be, you know, a one-score game going into half, just like it was last week or two weeks ago. You know, no one knows, but I do not think the game is going to be the same as it was two weeks ago. I think the Patriots are definitely going to make Zach Wilson throw the football. They're going to stuff the box and try to stop that run. And I think that would be pretty smart if I was the Patriots and Bill Belichick. As for the Giants, they play the Lions, another win that the Giants should have. Lions do play very tough, but it's, uh, again, a game now with the Giants with expectations. And the Giants, 7-2 and two going into this game. They should be 8-2 and two going into this uh, Thanksgiving game against the um, Cowboys in a week. Uh, the schedule gets tougher after this, after Thanksgiving and uh, beyond that for the Giants. And you got to give credit to the Giants. They're beating everyone on their schedule just like they should. And they've got their fan base in a frenzy right now just because no one expected this team to be even close to where they were. And now here they are. The Giants playing really well. They are the favorites against the Lions, as they should be. Um, But it really sets up an exciting, exciting Thanksgiving game next Thursday. I cannot wait for that. But the Giants should beat the Lions, even though the Lions do play really tough. They get some gritty wins. I think it's a uh, symbol of how good I think Dan Campbell is. I don't think Dan Campbell gets a fair shake when it comes to being one of the best coaches in the NFL, but man, he cares. He's out there and he gets the most out of this Lions roster, which top to bottom, probably one of the worst in the NFL, but he has them competing every week. They play hard and they're going to give the Giants all they can handle. That's what it's going to come down to. Can the Giants match the intensity from the Detroit Lions? So, 
we'll see what can happen on Sunday. I like the Giants in this one. I like them beating the Lions, and I think that line is at three and a half. I would probably take the Giants if I were to pick that game. Now for our actual NFL picks. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills. And before I get into it, I think I was 1-2 last week. So I'm kind of trading 2-1, 1-2, 2-1, 1-2 week. So we'll see if I can finally put this one together and uh, be a perfect 3-0. I think it'll be a good start with this Bills game against the Browns. If you haven't noticed, there is going to be a huge storm in Buffalo over the weekend about four to six feet in Buffalo. So they moved that game to Ford Field in Detroit. So now the Bills lose a home game and this game becomes a neutral game site. Bills minus eight and a half now after the move. And I think this really benefits the Buffalo Bills. I think if that game was still to be played in Buffalo with the snow coming down, I think it'd be a much more even game and a low scoring game, but now It kind of suits the Bills' offense more to play in that controlled environment in the Dome. I mean, I can see the Bills put up 40 or 45 points against this Browns defense, which is very lackluster. Better throwing conditions for Josh Allen. It does seem like his elbow is getting a little bit better, and I just think the Browns will be overmatched and not be able to contain Josh Allen, uh, especially because there needs to be a sense of urgency for this Buffalo Bills team. Two straight weeks coming off of devastating losses. Had that game two weeks ago against the Jets. And then last week, we all know how that game ended with Josh Allen fumbling in the end zone, Vikings recovering, and then the Vikings ended up winning in overtime on a Josh Allen interception. So I think the Bills are going to respond in a big way. They have to. And I think they're going to get a huge win by over 10 points against the Cleveland Browns. Game number two, Rams plus three versus the Saints. The Saints are actually favorites in this game against the Rams. I know the Saints are at home, but still, the Rams have a better roster and a better coaching staff. Matthew Stafford looks like he will be back, and Cooper Cup will be down, but Stafford is back. They don't have to rely on John Wolford. I love the Rams plus three in this game against the Saints. Uh, I think the Rams will rely more on the ground, and we'll see who steps up on the Rams offense. I think the Saints are just really bad, especially because they do not go to Jameis Winston. Like, how do you not change quarterbacks to Jameis Winston when Andy Dalton has looked so bad over the past two weeks? But they still stick with Dalton, and I think because of that, their offense is extremely limited. At least with Jameis Winston, he gives an element of surprise and kind of must-watch TV because there's a chance that he just bombs it down the field every time. And who doesn't love watching a 50-yard pass every single time down the field. With Andy Dolan, it's more check down, two yards here, two yards there, four yards here, and that's it. I can't stand watching the Saints offense. Give me the Rams plus three. And then, of course, Sunday night football, the the most anticipated game of the week is the Chiefs and the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus five. If you have been listening to my podcast throughout the year, you know that I love the Chiefs. I picked them to win the Super Bowl, and they are the team that I go with basically every single week Uh, they're just too good and I think the Chargers are just way too inconsistent Justin Herbert has not been the guy that he was last year and I just think that the Chiefs will win pretty handily against this LA Charger team that'll do for me on this Friday podcast I really do appreciate your support thank you for listening and I will be back on Monday to recap week 11 and look at any exciting news going on in Major League Baseball. We'll also take a quick look at how the Knicks and Nets are doing. 
So it should be a great podcast on Monday. Thank you for listening and have a terrific weekend.